0: This is the Retail Politics Podcast. Here we strive to give you the best political information about your nation. One download at a time. Here's your host, former congressional correspondent and award-winning reporter, Jerry Shields. Thank you,
1: Dave. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another 30 minutes of your precious time as we Delve into the politics of, uh, of our nation, and we're going to do something a little different uh, today. And it's just kind of a tribute to all the veterans out there. I know we talk about Memorial Day, but um, a lot of veterans coming back have injuries, serious industries, and uh, psychological industries. So I wrote this a little bit about my dad, who uh, served in World War II, and uh, I think he went through what a lot of veterans went through. So give a listen. Fred Shields served in the Army in Europe during World War II in a special unit called the Third Replacement Depot. As a sergeant, Dad's job was to lead his men in outfitting soldiers heading to the battlefront with supplies. The duty troubled him because he saw the assembly line of fighting men heading into war and felt guilty he wasn't joining them. The battling troops mocked Dad and his men as cowards, calling them Repo Depot Commandos. Dad would constantly ask his lieutenant, When is it our turn to go? The supervisor would always give the same reply. It's not your job. Do your job. On this night, Dad is telling the story with such torment that he grinds his teeth, repeating, We never got to go. We never got to go. My eyes fill with tears and I can hold my frustration no longer. Dad, I shout, the war's over. We won. Yet I realize, for Dad and many survivors of American wars that in some way they lost. It isn't just the 378,000 Americans who have died in wars over the last 80 years since Dad joined the army but also the one million wounded, many who came home crippled, without limbs, carrying emotional and psychological scars. Many continue to suffer in silence, reminding me of the words of New Jersey folk singer, John Gorka, who in his touching war ballad, Semper Fi, wrote, sometimes it's the wounds that heal that are easiest to hide. I used to hike in the woods behind my home and deep into the forest tried to imagine the terror that went through American soldiers in the jungles of Vietnam or the deserts and dusty streets of Iraq or Afghanistan. As much as I try, I can't replicate the paralyzing fear that must have run through every soldier, not knowing if the enemy sits behind a tree or wall with a bullet aimed at ending their life, or a roadside bomb planet that could take their legs off. I often feel bad for veterans when people ask them what they did in the military. We all want to hear blood and guts and stories of shoot-em-up television movie heroics. But whether you served on a Navy ship in sunny San Diego or marched through the mountains of Afghanistan crawling with terrorists, if you signed on that dotted line to enter our nation's armed forces, you pledged to give the most precious commodity you own to your fellow Americans, your life. On Dad's last Veterans Day, I sat tangled in traffic, squinting through the rain bouncing off my windshield when I heard a radio announcer mention today's significance. I tugged on the wheel and twisted myself from the cars, pulling into a restaurant parking lot. I called Dad, who by this time was in a nursing home, dying from the late stages of Alzheimer's disease. Hey, Pop, happy holiday, I said. Do you remember you were in the war? The Repo Depot commando story? But he is gone. I still lament the words I couldn't say to him on that final Veterans Day to thank him for his service as a 19-year-old kid in a foreign land pitted against strangers to defend our nation. And there are five words I hoped most that he could hear that I say to anyone who served in our military on this Memorial Day. Thanks for doing your job. I just wanna thank. Our contributing voice talent, John Terzis, for putting that together so skillfully. Uh, John's father was a dentist in World War II, and I don't think we think about dentists and the need for dentists in war. But he was with the Navy, served under, served under the great uh, Admiral Halsey, and went through some horrors of war, and he saw a lot of uh, a lot of carnage. So uh, we remember him today, as we do with all the veterans out there. I want to bring in our technical producer, the Wizard. Mr. Brad,
0: baby, Hello, Brad. Hello, Jerry. That was a, a wonderful, wonderful essay. And yeah, you don't think about dentists serving in, in World War II. There there wasn't a lot of uh, movies or books exactly. written about the yeah. guy serving in the yeah. dental industry. And, and, but I, I would imagine uh especially in world war 2 they were probably popular because guys got to go to the dentist
1: yeah and and i think um, a lot of the work he did was you know repairing the damage that they uh, went through out there yeah. on the on the battlefields and on the on the ships so um, yeah and and i think that, that that's kind of the thing is that you know everybody played their role you know, every play played their role.
0: I was just going to say there isn't there isn't an unimportant job. Is that a word? Unimportant. Every job is valuable uh, when you're serving in war. Yeah,
1: that's right. And I was uh, I was thinking about um, you know I worked for the Baton Rouge Advocate. I was covering Washington for them. And I was working in the Capitol, and Walter Reed was right down the street. And the editors always kind of wanted you to localize the story, so I called Walter Reed, and they were always wonderful. They let me in to visit a kid from the Baton Rouge area, and went in there, and he was just sitting in. In his bed and told me that the he, the last thing he remembered was being on a roof in Iraq firing you know at the enemy and he felt a sting and he woke up in Walter Reed wow so the thing that was chilling about what he said was that the first thing he did was to reach for his legs to make sure they were there and uh, that was just uh, that was just very powerful and he said everybody did that I mean when you came. Um, came to the first thing you did and that that was really something else and the other thing he said that really kind of blew me away was that he wanted to go back he wanted to be with his unit and um, I found that a lot with uh, veterans and you remember the, the great movie with uh, Bradley Cooper sniper. yeah of course. And that was that was what he, you know that's what he struggled with. He, he was home, he was struggling with being home, but he was also wanting to um, to be back there um, with his guys. And that's an amazing commitment and, uh, that they have.
0: You know, Band of Brothers, uh, the, the great miniseries, there was two of them, but they both in a way kind of explored that same, uh experience that the soldiers have that you know that when when they're in and then you know when they get out for whatever reason especially if it's if it's because they were injured uh how badly they want to go back and and be with the guys that they fought side by side with
1: and also when you know in signing up you know they um you know, once nine uh, eleven hit, once nine eleven hit, there were so many guys who volunteered and wanted to go and kind of fight the enemy. I remember, and uh, that's kind of that was kind of to me kind of the sad thing because we went into that war because of the weapons of mass destruction, and then found out they weren't there. Um, but I remember, um, I don't know if you ever thought about being in the military, but I was in college and I got a call from a recruiter and uh, said, hey, stop by on your way home and, you know, we'll talk about it. So it was the Marines, which I always wanted to be. And when I went in there, he was like Lou Gossett, Jr. from uh, from uh, Officer and a Gentleman. Come on over here, son, sit down, you know, and uh, like a drill sergeant. And so I sat down with him and he made me take a test. And he said, look, you know, you can, you can kind of write your own ticket. You come out of college. College, you're in officer school and so I asked him how many years I'd have to commit afterwards and it was once a month and he said four years and I said no I can't I'm going through four years of school I'm not going through four years of the military but it was interesting I was driving a guy home and I'd asked him you know if it's okay to stop and he came into the he came into the recruiting office and was sitting in the back and you know the drill sergeant guy said, hey man how about you son come on over here you know so he went over and talked to him and ended up joining went to paris island went through the whole thing Oof. yes 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 so um that was um that was a wild experience and i still I still go back and forth if i should have did it or not i would uh i would have um i don't know would have been interesting
0: my, my only time on Paris Island was uh, during Full Metal Jacket. Uh, I I never uh, answered the call to serve and have nothing but uh, respect for the gentleman that did when, you know, you, you talk about recruiters. They used, they used to hit us up in, in high school in the 80s. Right. Uh, there was usually a recruiter once a month to the to the school, like, and you could get out a ninth period if you went and, and sat and listened to their rap. And there was usually a free t-shirt at the end, uh, but it's... Uh, it's funny that you say that. Four years seems like when you're eighteen. Four years. I don't want to be in for four years, but yeah. In retrospect, as we get older, and you see how fast four years can fly by. That's right. I had I had a, I had a lot of friends serving, and then they most of my friends went in the navy. That that seemed to be uh, I don't know the late '80s. Everyone was was joining the, the, the Navy, and it might have been because of the popularity of Top Gun.
1: Mm-hmm, hmm yeah.
0: Does it doesn't it seem like all my military experience comes from movies and television programs. But,
1: but there's some great movies. I mean, you have Private Ryan. Oh, oh I, I usually yeah. watch that every
0: Memorial Day, and yeah. I, maybe I'll break that out this weekend.
1: Yes, yes. And, um, you know, I I did a book back in 2018. It was called The Good of the Order, uh, 80 Years of American History Through the Eyes of One Veterans Group. And they were in my neighborhood. So they knew I I did some writing and they said, you'll never believe what we found in the basement. They said, we found the minutes of the Club going back to 1947. So I was just going to do kind of a little book for it. it was the 70th anniversary of the group, but then I started reading these minutes, and the guy who put the minutes together, what he did was interesting. He wrote about what was happening in the world then. So I was sitting there saying, you know, this is really a great history of our country through the eyes of these guys. And they went through President Kennedy being assassinated was really hit home for them because they were they were veterans and and Kennedy was a veteran, you know. And then, um, you know, just to see, um, you know, these guys went to war. They come back, build the country up. I mean, they defeat you know, the guy who's probably the, the most villainous in the history of humankind. And then they come back and, and build the, uh, and, but then, you know, it was interesting too, because the guys came home from Vietnam and there was a lot of, you know, kind of resentment. The fact that, that they were kind of labeled Damn. losers because, you know, it wasn't a war where we did in World War II and came home victorious. And I talked to my cousin who was in um, Vietnam, he was in Vietnam and he got shot twice over there so he didn't like to talk about it too much but i did get him chatting one day and i said what was it like and he said you know he said i was wet i was wet for weeks i mean we marched and we marched in this rain and he said it was just uh it was just amazing
0: again uh forrest gump yes the scene where he's like it started to rain one day and it stopped raining for six months yeah Uh, And I would be remiss if I didn't mention my father. He served uh, in Vietnam and he is a Purple Heart recipient. He got shot in in the leg. Wow. And and the scar on his leg, I'll never forget as a kid. I used to stare at it all the time. Like the inside of his left leg, from like almost like maybe four or five inches below his knee down to his ankle, was just this giant. It was just like caved in. It, it It was weird. It was almost like. Uh, he got splashed with acid, and it ate oof, away oof. a chunk of his leg. That's what his that's what his his scar looked like, and. He didn't talk about it much. He never. No,
1: they never did. None of them did. You know, I remember finding my dad's medals. They were in the China closet. I mean, I never even knew he had them and he had a bunch of them. I mean, they gave them to you for marksmanship and things like that. But he served in the European theater and those kind of things. And it was interesting talking to my cousin and he kind of gave me that idea that, you know, you're walking through these forests, you're walking through these deserts and you don't know if you're going to see your loved ones again. And he thought about that all the time. Will I see my brothers and sisters. Will I see. And that was the kind of sadness of vietnam and and i think it's also the sadness of afghanistan and iraq is that we did not put our political muscle behind that and it was all it was always like some political almost like a chess match for the people back here the administrators the generals and um you know that was it And, and the other thing about vietnam that i remembered he told me he came home in his uniform went to church the next day and as he was walking out of church in full uniform, some guy called him a baby killer. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, that was and that, you know, of course they wouldn't rip the guy's head off. But uh yeah, it was a really um it was a really um difficult um thing and and you know, at that time, you know, I guess it was you're early nineties, they were having these Memorial Day events, these Veterans Day events, and they saw the World War Two guys kind of dwindling and they were wondering, hey, are they?" and they didn't think the Vietnam guys were stepping up as much because again, there was that, hey, it wasn't really a war, it was a conflict. But then, but now the Vietnam guys are really stepping up and, um, you know, they're, they're banding together. And uh, I'm concerned about these guys coming back from the Middle East and Afghanistan, and Iraq, that they'll go through that same thing where people won't, Respect them because, almost like North Korea, it's become a forgotten war. I mean, it's the longest war we've ever been involved in. Yeah. But um, it, it's kind of a um, it's kind of been a forgotten war, and um, I'm just hoping that they get the yeah get the respect and the, and the, and the treatment um, that they need, and that's that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the critical thing for our country. And we're out of there now. I mean, we're going out. And what do you think about that leaving Afghanistan?
0: It's one of those Middle East countries that has been in turmoil for years, and I think ultimately, it was. Uh, I mean, if we go way back, it was Russia's right. meddling right. in Afghanistan, which put us there to help them right. re- push Russia back. And then that got turned on us. And, and you know, here it is 40 years later and, you right. know, nothing's right. resolved. Yeah. There's, uh, there. there's, yeah. What do you need? What do you need? You know, solid infrastructure, a government that actually works for the, the yeah. citizens of Afghanistan yeah. without the world sticking their, their hands into their affairs. I
1: Yeah.
0: I wish we could solve all those problems,
1: Jerry, you know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, it was kind of interesting because the Russians couldn't beat them. No. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They had a, they had the muscle and the French couldn't beat the people in Vietnam. So we we were in there and, and I guess we learned that lesson. It was just not um, it wasn't. You know, hand to hand. It was it was the people hiding in the jungle, the snipers, and you just kind of didn't know where they were. And I think that's kind of the um, kind of the same thing here. And it was kind of interesting. I always kind of thought like, well, you know, would I be willing to send my son to Afghanistan or Iraq? And you know, basically sacrifice his life in the ultimate, um, for that. And I wouldn't do it. I, I just, I don't feel the people over there appreciate us being there. Um, and, uh, it was kind of interesting. We talk about the civil war, uh, Lincoln, you know, Lincoln, um, he, he tried to keep his son out of the war. If you watch that movie Lincoln, he did everything he could to keep his son out of that war. Yeah, and uh, part of that was because he had lost another son. He didn't want to lose another. But um, you know, he knew he knew the horrors of war, and he knew what um, you know what was going to um, to happen there, and and what what could happen to his son there. And uh, yeah, I, I just I, I just wish if we're going to do it, let's go in and do it, do it right, get out of there, and at uh, the politics of it, just. It just amazes me.
0: Yes, I I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I was I was trying to think of the name of the movie, and I actually had to look it up. Tom Hanks was in a good movie called Charlie Wilson's War, oh, yeah. which came out in two thousand and seven. Yes, and that pretty much gives you the story of how America first got involved with Afghanistan to help them push out the the Russians right. during uh, the Cold War, and then how that you know all kind of I think it was it 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 laid the groundwork for how we got into afghanistan. and i I vaguely remember that movie ending with like, Oh, it kind of makes you think, you know, in the situation that what's going on in Afghanistan now and, and how it all got started.
1: Yes. And I think uh, the same thing that happened in Vietnam is likely going to happen in Afghanistan. Taliban's going to come in when we leave and, and take over, just like the communists did to South and yep. Vietnam. Vietnam. Yep. I think that's where we, you know, that's where we fail. I think, you know, you got to go in there and you got to do it. And it's kind of interesting to talk about the son thing, Biden's son served over there. So I don't know if that helps them feel about, you know, feel it out and have a different impression on. It. And I remember Prince Harry going to the Iraq war and I think he actually served in like an air force. So he, um, he was, he was doing that. And again, they were just committed guys. They wanted to, uh, kind of represent their country and, uh, it's an amazing commitment. Amazing commitment.
0: Yeah, it truly is. And I I I, God forbid, any any parent that has to send a child off to war.
1: Yeah, but they also believe. I mean, they also believe in it. And they believe, you know, um, they believe in that. They believe that, hey, we're we're working for our country. They're very patriotic. I mean, just very, very patriotic people. And uh when they go in there and they um, you know, they're doing that. And I think a lot of parents, and particularly I guess male parents, they'd rather it be them because I think the hurt going, going on forever is, uh, is so much more. And, and I think they'd rather not have that. And I I think you always, as, as a parent, you always want to um, kind of help your children, you know, help almost, you know, help them get through life and, and you'd rather s- go through the experience themselves than rather, rather having them go through it. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I remember, you know, we were, I guess the, the draft came back in, I want to say 81, 82. And, you know, um, we were down the shore in Wildwood and, and the guys were like, let's go sign up for the draft, you know, and they were all going, Oh, I want to go to Middle East. And I remember saying, no, no, you don't. No. <laughs> no, you don't because I remember my dad he was just saying you never want to see that you never want you know you might be rah rah you might be hey let's go play you don't want to see that and um,
0: I can't imagine no
1: yeah, it was. Uh, it's a rough thing. So a dedication to all those veterans out there. Um, we need to talk about veteran services once they get back here. And one of the problems we have, we had the, 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 uh, the guy on, uh, the, the soldier on earlier in the year talking about suicides, and suicides among veterans are staggering. Yeah. And, and, and I think it gets back to a little bit of what you said, is that uh, they don't want to talk about it. They just, you know, I think they feel people don't understand uh, what they went through. And, um, you know, one of the things that was interesting, I was telling you a little bit about this book. It was an AMVEDS club and, you know, he had the documents in there when Harry Truman, uh, signed the amendments into law, and Truman said, "We need clubs where veterans can talk to veterans. You mm. know, you could sit yes. there and talk to somebody who understands um, kind of what you're going through." I think the veterans' benefits have gotten better. I think the VA has gotten better in treating people, and you know, as we had with our issue on the homeless, they've really, I think, they've cut homelessness among veterans by fifty percent because they've dedicated the money there. But we should, um, you know let the number out there for people who are struggling, the Veterans uh, Crisis Hotline, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. If you need some help, you know, give that uh that give that number a call and we encourage you to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um I know there's a feeling that nobody understands, but um you know, as we always said, you know as we said on that program, you know suicide is a is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, and um you know we hope that uh, people who are going through that um because they deserve it, they deserve the help uh, the least we could do
0: yes, I agree. All right, everybody, we will be back
1: next week with another thrilling edition of the Retail Politics Podcast. Until then, always remember to read beyond the headlines. want to thank our executive producer, Mike Gugat, our technical producer, Brad, maybe our contributing voice talent, John Terzis, and we wish you all a happy Memorial Day and a great week. With the front row, award-winning reporter Gerard Shields takes you into the vanishing world of print news to a time when stories were reported, not invented or twisted. Imagine you have press credentials in the front row with Shields throughout his decades-long newspaper career, covering political corruption, scandal, and heroics during the critical events of our time. With dozens of Amazon five-star reviews, Shields' latest work, The Front Row, is a passionate study of American journalism while delivering his own invaluable life lessons. The Front Row by Gerard Shields. Available now at Amazon.com.